Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Melissa Groman with Voices of Recovery on Recovery, Hope, and Healing. And I have with me today Gwen Gestarb, who is an educator and an author. She has written the, les- written the Lesson Plan and Responsibility. And I'm super excited to have Gwen with us today because we are going to talk about a topic that I really feel is so crucial and really one of the most central topics to our lives, which is mother-daughter relationships. And I'm really excited to have Gwen here. Gwen is an educator and has such a unique and fresh and what I uh, have experienced after listening to Gwen speak, uh, just an amazingly uh, important perspective to share with us. Welcome, Gwen. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. So, well, when we were uh, talking a little bit before we started to record today, I had asked you, is there anything we should really not miss um, in talking about your work? And you told me that on uh, further in one in your book, The Lesson Plan, I believe, um, yes. there is a poem written uh, by your granddaughter, did you say? Uh, no, I actually had written the, the poem. She uh, kind of redesigned it and created a song which became a soundtrack for the book. Oh, And wow. it's entitled the same, Can I Talk to You? So that is a perfect, uh, what a perfect title, Can I Talk to You? I wanted to hear a little bit about what, what that poem is because I think it's a perfect lead-in to the topic of mother-daughter relationships. Yes, the, the poem... Uh, I agree with, with what you're saying, uh, but basically the poem, you know, it's from a daughter to her mother uh, requesting uh, some time, requesting, you know, uh, some guidance, that kind of thing. And, you know, the poem uh, speaks out, you know, from a daughter's standpoint, telling her mom, you know, from, you know, the point of concept, you know, the moment of conception, you know, you promised to love and guide me, you know, so... Uh, you said that you would navigate the way uh, in my life, so why am I doing all the steering? This is what the daughter, you know, basically is, is saying to her mom. And then, of course, you know, and then she moves on to talk about, you know, now I'm a teenager in the prime of my life, you know, and I need answers. You know, I need to talk to you. Uh, and, and she questions, what will I do? You know, I feel alone, you know, and asking her mom, do you hear me? Uh, you know, I'm calling your name. I need you to respond, uh, stating that you decided to give me life. So please, just, you know, please give me my future. And and that's what you know our young ladies, which is who I focus on, are requesting. They want to talk. You know, they they want someone to hear them. And they even you know the poem even moves on to talk about uh, whether and and this is so today, uh, whether in the same house or separate house uh, from my father. I will need your guidance, you know, basically, you know, I'm still calling your name, will you answer me, you know, that kind of thing. And she's, she's really calling out and saying, don't you hear me? And I think that we have so much in, in, in homes today where either mom or, or dad, whomever is uh, raising the daughter, they're so busy trying to clothe and feed and shelter that they forget the real uh, person, you know, this is a person I need to focus on their insides and to know exactly what's going on with them and what do you need from me, you know, as a parent, and that's what we're here from, here for, and that is to be there for our children, you know. I, I 
couldn't agree more with, with everything you're saying. And, you know, in, in my work as a therapist, I see all the time the difficulties in mother-daughter relationships. And in my work, as particularly, and, and for my listeners who are dealing with emotional pain and eating disorders, mother-daughter relationships are often at the heart of it. And, you know, I always say we don't know why people have eating disorders. We don't want to look, you know, the, the blame doesn't help. It's, in, it's important to maybe know why at some point, but that won't set you free. But dealing with mother, dealing with our mother, or maybe that's not even the right word, dealing, but having a relationship with our mothers that we can rely on is so important in so many ways. We have to model ourselves. We have to look. We want to be taken care of. And then I think that a lot of young women say, "How will? What kind of mother will I be?" And exactly. it's just such a. So I would love to hear from your perspective. Why does the mother-daughter relationship play such a central role? For girls and young women and women of all ages? Well, you know, we never grow too old that at some point in our life that you call on mother. You know, she, she was she was your role model. She's she's a leader. You know, this is where you, you learned you, you learned all the things, at least with my age, uh, you know, growing up I can remember um my mother was such a major person in the house. And I say major because my dad looked to my mom to, you know, run that house, you know. And that's what women did, you know, back in those days. Uh, they, they actually, they oversaw everything, you know. Um, they had a big job. And being a mother uh, is a big job. It's a, it's a major job because not only did you birth this child, the connection immediately was there. So it is your responsibility, you know, as a mother to, you know, lead the, you know, your son and a daughter. Of course, I had a son and a daughter, so I had the opportunity to experience, you know, what it was like with both. I didn't have brothers growing up, so, you know, it was a learning experience along the way. But, you know, mom teach everything. When she don't even know that she's teaching, she is teaching everything because those girls are watching what you're doing as a lady, you know, as a mother, as a wife, you know, uh, as a leader in the community or whatever you're doing, that daughter is paying attention. Uh, there's a, a, a commercial that I see sometimes, and the mother is helping with homework, and she's doing everything. And I think the whole thing about the uh, commercial is that after she gets her children situated and gone to bed, then she goes into her room to do her homework because now she's back in school. But she don't realize her daughter is paying attention. Her daughter is watching. And I think it was a daughter did some kind of big sign on the side of a building commending her mother for who she is and what she's done for them. Because moms, you know, there's no limit to what moms are responsible for doing. You know, it's a tall order for women in a certain way. But yes, I, it I, is. You know, we, we do have a tremendous responsibility as role models. We set the tone in the yes. house. Yes, we do. And your we work do. has been holding women accountable and saying, okay, look, it's a tall order, but this is what we signed up for. That's so right. we have to step up. Do I have it right? You got it absolutely correct. And I was trying to present it in such a way that I'm not pointing the finger that you're not doing your job. 
but just in case you need a little assistance along the way, but you must take in, in mind that I am responsible for these little people around here, you know? And if it's something I didn't pay attention to in school, because we all had to go to school, but if I didn't pay attention, here's a guide, a workbook that can help me do what it is I need to do. So could you give us a few of those things, like it's a few of your ideas about what what mothers can do? There's so much parenting information out there and parenting angles, but, you know, yes. what's your message? My message basically is one thing that I learned when I was teaching. You know, I retired last year of 28 years, wow. and the, when I was teaching, what when I started paying really paying attention and I guess I grew to another level of of wanting to give back and help these girls and I didn't know how initially and so I took it from uh, a standpoint of of uh, talking for the daughter, mom, this is what I need. But I think the the big thing here is something that we tend not to do. And I may be guilty at some point in raising my kids. We don't listen. We want to do all of the talking and forget that we taught them how to talk. So now give them the, you know, give them the platform and let them speak. And we listen. And then this will help us in whatever corrections we need to work on with our child or just to let just to be that soundboard for them. And this you know of course uh creates this, this closeness, this bond, uh this this parent friend relationship. Some may disagree that as a as a parent you can't be friends with your children, but yes you can. Uh but there's a thin line. I talk about it in the book. There's a thin line, and, and, and you must teach that child how close to come to that line, but never to cross it. Wow. You know, you know I, I, I'm so excited hearing you speak, because I could tell you from, you know, from a different angle, from a, a psychotherapy angle, that, you know, I, I feel just the same way, that the most important thing is to listen to our daughters. And one of the things that I see mothers do, it, instead of listening or or in, in things that inhibit the listening is they react. If a daughter has a strong feeling or they have an impulse or they want to be rebellious, while they start to listen, they start to slap a consequence on or a punishment or they, or they mm-hmm. refute the feeling instead of just hearing it out. Do you, what do you say to mothers about how to listen and not to react? Because I often find that whatever it is, it sometimes dissipates if you just listen through it. Well, first of all, they have to uh, slow down for just a second to collect themselves. And I think, such as I kind of mentioned before, you know, life right now is such a fast pace because everyone's trying to make enough money, you know, to be able to take care of their responsibilities and, of course, sometimes not being able to fulfill that financial need. And, of course, then it goes into the stress factor. And, you know, it's all about I can only focus on this one tunnel here, and that is how am I going to feed the kids, how am I going to do this, but failing to realize, you know, your plate is is overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's just overflowing, you know, because you have so much that you have to do as a mother. 
Um, so, you know, it's just it just puts mothers in, such as you you mentioned before, that it's, it, we have lots. We are responsible for a lot, you know? Right. So, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? You had another thought on that? No, 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 no. So I thought maybe I would shift directions just just a little bit because I think that a lot of my listeners are daughters and they're going to be mothers someday and many of them want to be mothers but they worry yeah. about what kind of mother they're going to be. They crave yeah. um, a mother who will listen and yeah. who can really be there for them and and they struggle with how they see their mother with all of her imperfections and all of her goodnesses and there's a lot of struggle but they also want to be mothers themselves someday so one of the things i wanted to you know ask you is what what about from the daughter's angle if you have a mother who doesn't know how to listen what then well you know we can't go through and try to change people People have to want to make a difference, and that that's a very difficult uh, task because I've had girls that have come to me during my teaching and would say to me, my mom won't listen. You know, I can't get her to listen. She won't keep still long enough to listen. You know, it's just her way, you know, that thing is just her way or no way, you know, mm-hmm. Um that's just a very difficult task, but if mom won't listen, then, you know, there's a grandmother, hopefully there's a godmother, uh, there's a close friend who is mature and old enough that can be your sounding board because I don't know that there's anything um, we can do to influence one to change. They have to want to do that. You have to want to do this first in order to have, you know, open ears and, and be open-minded. And um, I think that sometimes, you know, I've had young ladies to tell me that, you know, Ms. Gustav, I just, you know, had a moment with my mother and, you know, I was trying to tell her that I need her to listen to what I need to say, and, but she just refused. She was just her way. So what do you do with those kind of people? I don't know if you constantly show them examples or what it is you actually do. So I suggest, you know, finding that that person that you can talk to if mom is not going to listen. So one of the things you're saying then is that if if it's not an option to go to your mother or to go to her in the ways you might might like to, Find another female role model to talk to because exactly. girls need a female role model yes, they who do. they can respect and yes. be heard by without yes. being shut um, down. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's very important. Um, it's very important for both, you know. Boys need their dads for certain things, and girls most definitely need their moms to uh, teach them the ladylike manner, you know. So tell me more about what you need, mean by ladylike manner, because that is such an interesting term. And it's, forgive mm-hmm. me for this, it's, an, it's a more of an old-fashioned term, but I, <laughs> it, <laughs> but I respond to it because I think it has value today, even though, you know, we live in such a crazy electronic, 
fast, yes. different world than probably the one that, you know, I'll date myself, certainly the one that I grew up in. Um, but ladylike is a great term. And what do you mean by it? My mother was very strong when it came to teaching her girls how to be a lady. There were just certain things we could do and not do. One in particular that I do remember, if we came out of our, if we were changing clothes or whatever the case may be, and we were coming out of our room, um, we must have something over. Say, for instance, you had, you know, which people probably don't wear slips anymore, but <laughs> when I was growing up, we did wear those things, you know. Some young ladies probably don't even know what a slip is, but, um, you know, but I, I remember not being able to, you know, because my dad was in the house, you know. It's about respect, you know. You don't walk in front of your dad like that. You know, yes, and um, so, but what I mean about being a lady, we have so much influence, negative influence in the media, and sometimes even for me, I watch certain things and think, I can't believe they were in front of the camera, in front of people doing this, you know, and I was just speaking to my sister yesterday about, I got an invitation to a 90th birthday party. And it's only because the lady, uh, we grew up two houses down. And, and, you know, as she had girls and my mother, and we were girls, so we all, you know, met. And when they moved in and, you know, became our friends and our parents became friends and that kind of thing. So the invitation has different phases pictures of different phases of this lady, and there's one in particular one, and it's just so beautiful. You know, it's in black and white and, you know, this kind of thing. But I I reflected back on remembering how my mother used to dress, and women back in those days in the 50s, I guess, uh, in the 60s or whatever, and they did show cleavage back in those days. But to me, it was so... It was it was tasteful. It, it was I don't know as a young child I would have known that that was sexy, but it was very ladylike, very classy. Um, but I was speaking to my sister. And I said, you know the difference between the women back then who wore these wonderful dresses and yes they did show cleavage. They wore foundation underneath those dresses, you know, to make sure that body was you know, right, whichever size it was. Uh, But today, it's just no foundation, no underwear, no, no, nothing to make that garment look very ladylike. And it makes, you know, when things are not perfect, yes, there, there are items that we use to fix it as best we can, but we have to share with our daughters how to take this one outfit and and make it look, show her in both respects. Now, what do you think? You know, stand in front of a mirror. What do you think this makes you look like? I used to tell my students, do you have a mirror in your bedroom? When you get dressed in the morning, if there's any doubt in your mind about what you have on, then it must be time to change it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it must not be the proper item that you should have on, a garment that you should wear to school. Because we had much of that going on. The cleavage, the girls, the boys couldn't pay attention, you know, to, to the teacher. You know, how can a boy pay attention to me when all of this is right next to him, you know? And so it's important that mom um, shares with her daughter when she gets dressed in the morning. You know, three-way mirror is the best mirror. So you can see all, all sides, you know. Does that dress hike up, you know, hike up in the back? If it does, then that means we're a little bit more hippie and we need to wear something a little different. So there are just so many things, you know. I just want to jump in because to me this is a a fascinating uh, angle and perhaps to my listeners who um, many or most of whom are dealing with eating disorders and body image and, uh, you know, obsession and frustration with body and weight and size you are suggesting a different idea that I think in the most fascinating and enriching way could be of help to those uh, who are suffering from food and weight issues, which is you're not saying to look at yourself and say what's imperfect. You're saying look at yourself and see what's dignified and what's modest and what and not to present yourself to the world in terms of a perfect body and a, mm-hmm. you know, and, and is there too much fat here or there, and to get obsessed with thinness, but yeah. be conscious of your inner worth and of your dignity and of what message you're trying to portray, not because it's about your value, but it's because about if you behave like a lady, it's not about, yeah. I'm trying to, I think you know what I'm getting at, that it, it's yeah. not about, you know, your body fat and what you look like, even with all due respect to the pain and the suffering of young women who are really um, focused on that as their worth. But you're saying, hey, shift, be open, be willing, shift your perspective to presenting yourself as dignified and as modest and as, you know, lovely to the world. Am am I hearing that as as precious? As... Yes, I'm, 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 you know, it's it's not about, um, I stated before, whatever size you may be, you still portray ladylike manners, yeah. you know, being, you know, it, it's not about how small, or I'm not trying to talk about being thin, I'm not talking about, you know, being overweight and all this kind of stuff, just love you inside, but of course make the best presentation about who you are as a person yes. defined by, you know, your, your mannerism, your, you know, your tone, your speech, you know, the, the whole nine yards. It's, it's about loving who you are. And uh, I used to mention to my students, as, as a, a young lady, you must know who you are first before you allow someone else to invade who you are. You know, so when you're secure with me or yourself, you know, then everything uh, can turn out for the best. But it's all about sharing that ladylike manner, uh, not being the loudest, you know, the quietest person in the room could get the most attention, you know. So uh, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. 
it really is a question. I mean, I think it shifts the, the thinking um, to our inner world, to self-respect and self-esteem and morals and character. And that mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. are things that we should be talking about more than, you know, what kind of outfit Beyonce is wearing or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I always try to use that as an example. It's funny that you bring her up. Um, that <clears throat> the kids need to look at that and focus on that. That is her costume for stage. That is not the way she dressed on a normal day. And it's her, she's an entertainer. So this is her demonstrating her creativity, her theatrics, the, the whole nine. This is her in a whole nother life. Once she's on that stage, she's another person, you know. And it's, it's great that you think what she's wearing, is, is, you know, looks good if that's what you see, but that's not who she is on a daily basis, you know. But girls, I think, look to model themselves after what we see, who's getting the attention, who, who like yes. you were saying earlier about mothers as leaders, who are our leaders? And especially if, as happens oftentimes in mother-daughter relationships, there's tension, and depending on the kind of relationship and the level of frustration or the, the level of which, um, you know, that, that where that parent-friend line is maintained and all the things that we were talking about the daughters need from their mothers and the extent to which mothers can be caregivers and also be listeners and take emotional care, not just physical care, and all of this tall order for women and for girls who are then going to become mothers. So yeah. if there's a lot of tension in the mother-daughter relationship, I think girls naturally look outside to see, well, who is getting attention, who is successful, who's a little rebellious, who gets, you know, who do people um, look to? And they look at public figures and entertainers for standards yeah. of presenting themselves. Right. Right. I agree. I agree with that. And I'm not sure And I don't that... think there's an... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there's a limit. There, there's a cutoff. And you have to, and of course here again, this is where conversation with mom or that bond or that time alone with mom and be able to talk about any and everything, um, these are the times when those kind of things come into play. Uh, it's, it's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to use some of these people as your, you know, I, I like the way they did X, Y, Z. Uh, I like the way Beyonce did this or, or that. But there's still limits because I can't wear that outfit in the classroom. Why not? Because it's inappropriate. They're, they're clothes, and then I should talk about this. They're clothes to wear to church. They're clothes to wear for play. They're clothes to wear for, for school. I remember growing up, and we had certain clothes that were worn certain places. So, uh, but the kids get a little confused, and they're wearing their going out clothes to school. You know, six-inch heels and, you know, all this stuff going on. and uh, But obviously someone along the way has not been taught by the fashion police, I guess. <laughs> but a lot know. of times what I will see is I, 
I know that girls, look, we've all got a rebel in us, and especially if we're angry with our yeah. mother and frustrated, we're going to say, forget it. I'm not going to church, or I'm going to wear... I'm going to wear whatever the heck I want, and worse than that, I'm, you know, but I'm going to wear what I want. And I, I have seen girls whose mothers try and set limits on their dress, and girls feel, hey, look, it's my body. I'll express it how mm-hmm. I want. And they will put in whatever dress or whatever piece of clothing that they snuck and bought at the mall, and they'll put it in their backpack, and when they get to mm-hmm. school, they'll change. Because oh, it yeah. just become about, it. you know, it becomes about rebelling against their mother and so you know i'm going to do whatever i want i'm I'm going to do not what you're telling me to do i'm going to do what i want but you're saying twofold one mothers still have to set an example and yeah. listen to their daughters and daughters have to ask themselves what what do i want here what, what do i how do i want to present myself is it worth it do i really want to put an undignified version of myself out in the world why? Why? But then some, I think, are a little blind to, we see things differently. You know, this generation and from where I grew up, we see things a lot different. They tell me, you know, of course, I'm this old-fashioned person. But I think, you know, and, and this is, you know, today. But let's take, just as we do with the music, you take some of the old music and incorporate it with the new sound, and, you know, now we have this new thing. So, obviously, the old wasn't so bad because you have brought it into, you know, this this era. Um, so, I just think that sometimes maybe the girls need a presentation of what they think is good here. You have a, a fashion show, and kind of like the do's and don'ts, you know. So you have one that's dressed, and you ask the audience, you ask the young ladies, which one is appropriate for going for a job interview? You know, which would you recommend? And many times, if you throw it back on them, if you give it back to them, ask them the question. And let them make the decision. And, of course, you already in your mind have the right answer of what you're wanting it to be. And if it it doesn't pan out to be what you think it should, then that warrants going into a a longer discussion, uh, a discussion of why mom thinks that this outfit would be better for the job interview and not, you know, the one that you've chosen. So there are just so many things, you know, um, so many aspects of different situations. So that's from the mother's side. What you're saying is that to mothers, let your daughters talk. Inquire inquire about what they think. Help them to understand your point of view. I'm guessing not lecturing because, you know, lecturing never no. works. But listen. But if you're the daughter... What, what you know? I'm back to the daughters because I think a lot of my listeners are the daughters, saying, okay. "Listen, I don't care why my mother wants me to dress this way. I'll do whatever I want." And so I'm thinking your your message to the daughters is, you know, re- if you're going to rebel, give it some thought because you're presenting yourself in the world, especially if you have body Im- body image issues or you have 
you know, and again, I'm looking to my particular audience, which is struggling with food and, and weight issues, which mother-daughter mm-hmm. relationships are so central to. But if you're going to um, be rebellious with your dress in terms of, you know, you don't want to hear what your mother has to say. She doesn't get it. You still have your own sense of self to protect and to present. Right. That's, that's so, absolutely correct. You're still the one in the classroom distracting the teacher or distracting the other boys, you know, distracting boys or putting yourself out there to get a certain kind of attention. You still have, you know, no matter what your mother thinks you should or shouldn't be doing and no matter what extent she understands, you still have to, you're the one that's walking out the door. I still, I I have so much, so much support and love for teenage girls. Not that I don't for all children, but teenage girls are pretty much my focus, I guess. And I just think they need so much guidance and, and help along the way and someone to listen. And I think if, if we would begin to listen to what our young ladies have to say, you know, thing is you'll find out more about who they are, who they are becoming, because they're going through phases, you know, uh, in their teenage years and trying to, you know, we've all been through it. And as we get older, we can look back and think, oh, my God, did I act like that? You know, or did I do this? But, of course, you know, it's all about the guidance. But uh, then, too, uh, our teenage girls, and some do this, they, they do think about themselves and, and, you know, what they need and what they'd like to do. And... Um, some have a little bit more, you know, uh, direction, uh, if I could say direction, uh, as to where they want to be in life. And But I, I do speak a lot. I do defend the young ladies. Uh, when I, I did the book, it was really, you know, who's going to defend them? This is what they need. Let's see how we can help them with this. So what are your – I had started to ask you this earlier, and then I think I sidetracked myself. What are your – give me – a few of your ideas that are in the book or that you feel are the most important things. I I know we said that the cornerstone is really listening and being able to listen to our daughters and to defend them and and protect them and guide them. I love the title uh, lesson plan, the lesson plan, because I do think that a lot of times these are general ideas, but we need a plan sometimes. Um, And I like the idea that there's, that you can have a plan. So fill me in, give, give me some highlights. I chose not to write the book with chapters because it was not a continuation from one to the next. I chose to use segments so that we could focus on specific things that our young ladies need or what our young ladies need, you know, when they become parents. Uh, This book can be taken right on out when they move out because I take it all the way. uh, There are ten segments. And I take it all the way through saying, uh, yes, the abstinence, Uh, also talking about the banking system. Uh, I talk about things that are important uh, and and simple, uh, life skills type things. Um, I talk about character. Uh, All these things that I put here are important things for survival, for for living when, when you go out into society. Many of these things are simple to some and should be common sense, but maybe not to all. 
you know, and then even to those that think it's a simple thing. Well, I didn't think of it that way, you know, and so I've used short stories in here so that maybe one can uh, read something and think, wow, I didn't know somebody else was having the same problem, you know. Okay, let's see what they did about it, you know, and it works both for the mother and the and, and the the teenager, the child, uh, both on, works on both ends. Uh, but so far as the listening, I think that is so important. Uh, teaching your daughter character traits, um, especially self-esteem. I think many of our issues with young ladies, it's all about self-esteem. It's how that one, how, how one feels about themselves. And I don't believe in downplaying our children. No matter how much you might think, this, whatever she wants to do may not work. Give her the opportunity to see for herself. Don't downplay it and allow her to experience it because we'll never know. You will never know if it wouldn't work or not if you never tried. So I just believe in being very supportive of our children, uh, of our daughters, and especially mom. Mom means so much uh, when it comes to um, backing up our children. I mean, when you look at the football players on the, on, on the field, they, they mimic, hi, mom, you know. It's not to put dad down, but mom, did, you know, mom got it, has it going on, you know. So um, I just think that there's just so much, and, and I offer all of what I think is important to, to, for mothers and daughters uh, inside of, you know, the book, The Lesson Point. I think it sounds... Um so spot on that we need we need technical skills we need to learn how to mothers need to to, we need to know for ourselves we need to be able to pass on to our daughters we need to be able to protect them we need to be able to tolerate them learning some things for themselves but we also have to teach them we have to be role models and examples we have to teach them the basics from banking to cooking and also take care of their their emotions I, i go back to that it's a tall order for all of us, and we're kind of all in it together, yeah. but but it can be done. Daughters who are struggling um, and then are going to become mothers could benefit from your book, and mothers who are mothers can benefit, and that it, that there's there there's a plan. There's a way to proceed that it's not all about, you know, parenting in a general sense. There's a, there's specifics to, you know, how to, how to do certain things and that, that we have a responsibility. That was the title of your other book, Responsibility, that as mothers, we have a responsibility. And as daughters, we're going to have a responsibility someday when we're mothers. So we can start to pay attention to, to these things. Yes. So I'm looking at the clock, and I, I kind of knew that we were going to fly by here, and I feel like <laughs> there were a million more things I could ask you about, but it is time to wrap up. But let me just ask you before we do if there's anything else that you want to add or anything that you know you want to say to mothers and daughters who are listening. Well, to mothers, I just would like to, you know, make you aware that you know, you are so important in your daughter's life. Maybe you think she's not paying attention. She's watching your every move, listening to your every word. She may not respond, but she hears you. 
you know, it's unfortunate that that's the way things are, but she she will only get to experience this once she becomes an adult, and then we look back and say, this is the way my mother did it, or this is what my mom used to say. And, you know, so it's very important to, you know, be mindful uh, how we treat our children. Uh, and from the, the daughter's standpoint, um, just just give her a little time. She She will come across. She will step up because she is paying attention to mother. And, um, you know, being a young person, if you have a relationship with your mother, go to her and say, okay, this is what I need from you. This is what, you know, I'm lacking, and I need some answers to it. And even if you don't have that relationship with your mom, you know, find your grandmother, your godmother, your older sister or, or aunt or whomever that you look up to to re- build a uh, relationship where you can go and talk to them because, believe it or not, wisdom, you know, goes a long way uh, because we've, we've all been through it, you know, and this is what I've always used to tell my daughter is that I've already been here. That's why parents know already. You know, that's why we know it's because we've already done it. The other thing I'd like to uh, just mention about uh, there's a soundtrack to the book and uh, it reflects the poem, Can I Talk to You? Not the exact words, but it's a generalization of the poem. And it's from a mother, I mean, from a daughter to a mother. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, it's on iTunes and uh, it's on my webpage. Uh, it's anywhere on, on the music, you know, um, on the music venue. So you're welcome to, I uh, invite you to go and listen to it. So Great. I do appreciate you having me on the show. Certainly very happy to have you and to have all of your thoughts and your perspective as a a mother and as an educator and as a writer. Um, Folks can find you online at www.gwengestarb.net, and I want to just spell it, um, even though um, it's going to be linked right next to our our, um, interview on my site, but um, it's G-W-E-N-G-I-S-T-A-R-B. .net and I know that your book is your books are on amazon.com so yes. it's pretty easy to find you and I want to just thank you I think that to me there's almost no more important topic than mothers and daughters and I think this is such a good um good discussion and a good thought provoking uh conversation about all the different aspects and different ways to think about things. Um, so thank you so much, Gwen, for being with me today. Okay, thank you for having me.